Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. So this Sunday, we have a treat. A very, very special couple is in the house. And uh, this would be like my bishop or my apostle. This is the what we call the district superintendent of the North Carolina Assemblies of God. He is in charge of churches all over the state and ensures that we don't preach heresy, ensures that we stay in line. And uh, he is a great leader and a great pastor. Him and his wife both are dear friends of ours. And I love what they do in the ministry. They travel around, they encourage pastors, they help lead churches through transition, and they help encourage uh, the work of the ministry here through our network, which is called the Assemblies of God. But even more than that, they've raised kids that love the Lord, and their son Derek is a friend of mine. And it's one thing to be really good Christians on stage. It's another thing to be really genuine Christians in your home. And my friendship with their son has proven to me that they actually walk the walk and talk the talk. That this isn't just some pony show that they put on, but instead they smoke what they sell. They actually live this thing out. I know you don't really smoke, but they are who they say they are. And sometimes the closer you get to someone... Uh, the more repulsive it becomes. But when, the closer I get to them, the more I want to lean in, the more I want to learn, the more I want to grow in understanding and raising children and in being great leaders. Um, Dr. Rick Ross, not the rapper, but the superintendent is in the building today with his wife, Susan. Would you stand at both of our locations and welcome Dr. Rick Ross to the platform today? Love you so much. Grateful for you. Come on now, give it up for Jesus. He's the reason we're here. It is so, so, so good to be here today. You may be seated, and you know this, and, and but your pastor, and pastors Mike and Ashton, the whole staff, but I don't know if you've even made this big deal, but it is. Pastor Mike is now one of our leading elders in North Carolina Assemblies of God as he now oversees the entire Raleigh area. And, and we're so excited, so excited about that. And uh, I get to travel the nation and, and bump into him every once in a while. And uh, it's, it's just a great life when you do ministry with friends. God said, who said? It's not good to be alone. And he's talking way more than marriage. It's talking about life. Let's do life together. Let's just jump into it. God gave me a word that I believe is focused for focus. It's a story out of Numbers chapter 14. It's about several individuals, but the primary individual today is the person, Caleb. Numbers 14, verse 24, reads like this. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, say different. Because he has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, say wholeheartedly. With everything I have, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants, generations, will inherit it. Two things today. Number one, where are you going? Number two, who are you taking? Father, help us in these next several minutes. 
do something that I cannot do. I don't have persuasive words enough. I don't have an intellect enough. I don't have good enough notes. But I have your spirit. And more importantly, your spirit is in this place. And you will do it once again that those who have a willing ear, ears to hear, may they hear what the spirit says beyond what I say. As we capture the reason we focus on where we're going and who's going with us. We pray in your blessing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, so to set the story, you, you know most of this. The Israelites had, had left Egypt, that place of 40 years of bondage of slavery. And they've been traveling through the wilderness. And the wilderness, again, was that experience from Egypt to the promised land, from bondage to a desired future because of their unwillingness. And that's what this story is all about. Israelites had now come through that they're going through the wilderness and they come to the place in which God is ready to move them into something better. Say better. Better is my absolute favorite word in the English vocabulary. Better means more better than yesterday, but it's not best because better means there's going to be something better tomorrow. It's this progression of where I am to where God has for me and these experiences that take me to this preferred future. I love better. How are you doing? Better. I'm not still complete where I need to be. I, I still may be having some struggles. I, I just still don't have all my relationships. But I'm moving in the right direction. And God says he had something better for the people of Israel. So the story says that God says Moses choose 12 of the best. Say best. He didn't say choose 12 losers. In the moment, the report's going to sound like they chose 12 losers. But he said, I want the best of the best. I want leaders. And I want you to tell them to go into the preferred future, the promised land, and bring back a report. 40 days. We keep hearing this 40. 40 days. They come back. They all saw the same thing, but they had different reports. Isn't it amazing how all of us see things, but we report it, we speak it differently. We have this perspective that overwhelms us. And if you're not careful, you will be under a perspective of negativity rather than a perspective of opportunity. All saw the same things, but different reports. Today, I want to help you catch what's the difference. It's not good enough to say, well, there are two different spirits and one was better. How can we catch this? How can we make the difference between those who live in anxiety and fear and they're all around us? even in churches, versus those who live with an expectation and faith that God's going to do something better. A couple thoughts. Number one, the Caleb spirit, this different spirit, understands that a negative spirit grumbles and complains, but a different spirit speaks life. Verses one and two of this Numbers chapter 14, as we go back to the beginning of the story, that night all, say all, the members of the community. Well, let, let me just make this very practical. That night, all Focus Church members. You would rather me talk about somebody else, don't you? It's always easier to talk about them. But you know, the only time that God really helps me is when he talks about me. So there we go. He sent me to help 
you, me, all of the members of Focus Church raised their voices, wept aloud, and all, say all, Focus Church members grumbled against Pastor Mike Ashley and the leadership team. Oh, that has to be another church. It has to be. And the entire Focus Church said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or even in the wilderness. A perspective that says when things don't feel right, I want to go back. A perspective of negativity that says, well, what you've said has not happened yet. (laughs) I'm going to jump into this thing because it caught me as Pastor Mike as you were up here. We trust God. But those of you under 30 don't know what that means. You see, all of us have spiritual ADHD. My picture's in the dictionary. I got it. But where are my 65-plus fellow Joe sojourners? Come on, put your hand up. Don't be afraid. That's That's who we are. Yes. They wouldn't be here if it wasn't for us. We produce them. That's not where I'm going. 65 plus, how many like me have served the Lord, if not all your life, most of your life? I know 65 years later what trust is all about. Trust isn't developed overnight. And the reason, Pastor Mike, we have trust issues in America is because things don't stop for a moment that we have leadership in our, in our nation, in our land, and even in some churches that we can stop and say, I trust them because I see the experience that they have gone through and they have a proven testimony that, that God is who he says he was. And we understand today this whole spirit of grumbling and complaining is because we don't get what we want, when we want, the way we want. You can have a woe is me mentality when things aren't going your way. Or you can choose to have a God's got this mentality because I know things will work out the way he says they will. Go back to chapter 13, 32 and 33 is the basis of why this bad report came. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored, even though they started with it's a great land filled with Steak and fr- fries, <laughs> or, or, or lasagna, whatever your favorite meal is. And then they go on. All the people we saw there were of great size. True statement. They were called giants. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. See their whole perspective. It was lost what, who God is, and they now look at who I am. Well, I, let me help you. By yourself, by myself, we are going to fail. Apart from him, I can do nothing but with him. And that's why we're here, with him, with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength every day. Whenever your focus comes off of God and it begins, yeah, they're big, but God is bigger. Well, there are problems in the land, but God's the problem solver. He's never failed me. The Israelites were living in a place of negativity, and they were looking for a reason to complain. And I guarantee you, if you're looking for that reason, you will find it. Because we always find what we're looking for. 
perspective. Caleb saw a better place. They saw a difficult place. We all have a tendency to complain on occasion. I, I get it. I, I, I am not immune, even though I, I pray. But friends, we want you to hear today is that God takes complaining seriously. That it means a lot. And that the very definition of the, of the 40 years of wandering was because the people listened to this bad report, this negative report, and they wasted 40 years of their life wandering until all those old folks died off so the young folks could grow up and take over. But what if all of us begin to have a future-looking vision? And we begin to see down the road what is possible and what God has. Over one million people went into the promised land. But only two of them that crossed the Red Sea with, was, uh, with uh, Moses was Joshua and Caleb. The only two who didn't complain. Joshua and Caleb were two of the 12 spies. It's right there in the Bible. Go back and read it. Matter of fact, how many of you read the Bible? How many read numbers? <laughs> I'll pick on. How many of you know the other 10 names of the 12 spies? Joshua, Caleb, give me one. Pastor, give me one. You're the pastor. I just read it this morning. I don't remember one of them. Here's your lesson. If you want to be forgotten, be negative. You want to be insignificant? Look at all the problems around you. You want to have no impact on the future? negativity reigning in your life. God said there's an opportunity for you and, Mo and Joshua and Caleb said I will do it. Whatever comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what is deep within your heart. Second thing I want you to catch is that a, a Caleb spirit, a different spirit, understands that a negative spirit looks back but a different spirit looks forward. Verses 3 and 4 says it like this. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? I mean, that's got to be one of the, like, the most negative statements ever. Let me expand. The RIV, it's catching on, Ross International. It's being in the bookstore suit. Well, I, I know you took us out of Egypt, and after all those years, we left with the plunder of, of the Egyptians. They were loaded down with everything there was. Uh, we know you, you did the, the miracles, and we know all of these things, this, this house of miracles. We understand everything you've done, but that was then, and now we just don't believe you. You've kind of run out of miracles, God, and we want to know why we should even trust you when all this is going to happen, and we're going to fall by our wives and our children at least they were looking to the next generation, will be taking this plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a new leader who's no longer looking forward, but is only interested in staying the same. And all across America, there are churches with leaders. Let me change that. There are churches with people sitting in the seat who have lost the vision of the future. And here you sit with a motivational vision that says we exist for the future. Man, it's hard. Can I prophesy over you today? There will be problems in your future. 
over pastor. There will be people who don't understand you. You understand? That's going to happen. That's why it takes people of vision who are different, who have a Caleb spirit, who says, yeah, I, I understand there's the rough times right now. I understand Jesus said we're going to the other side, but halfway through, the storms are breaking out. All hell is breaking loose, and I'm wondering what's going to happen. Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? And he said, of course I care. I'm right here. Be still. Be muzzled. And everything stops in the power of Jesus. Jesus didn't promise us a smooth voyage. He simply promised us a successful voyage. We are going to the other side, the side of destiny. Philippians chapter 3, Paul in his later years, verse 13, I have not achieved it. He achieved a lot. But I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Say one, not the past, but looking forward to what? Lies ahead. Future looking people are different. Future looking people see what others don't see. It's just as obvious to those of us who are looking for it as it is unobvious to those who won't look for it. But the reality is we can see what we want to when we operate in things of God. The Israelites like so many churches, were so enamored with their past, they couldn't see the blessings of the future. They were even willing to abandon the promised land. A greater, let's go back to our opening saying, a better, say better, future to go back to what they were familiar with. Hence comes the statement we've all heard. If you always do what you've always done, you'll only get what you've always got. How many are satisfied with what you got? How many want more? See, then you have to be willing to step out. Uh, he says it to, to the, all the way through. I will give you every place your foot touches. But if you don't go into new territory, you don't get any new territory. We have a tendency to come to church, be wild, be moved, and then go back and live every day just like we have before. Have you ever been traveling and all of a sudden you wake, you, you, you've been awake, but all of a sudden you realize, man, I've come to work, I've come to church, I've come wherever, and I don't even know how I got it because we get into such routines. And what God is saying, I don't want you to settle for your routine. I want you to find some new territory, some new direction, some new opportunities. Yes, it's going to stress you out. Yes, the GPS is going to make mistakes. But you can discover excitement in moving into a whole new. Don't worry about an unknown future when you have a known God. He can do it. Third. I want you to understand that a Caleb understands that a negative spirit focuses on the problem, but a different spirit focuses on the potential. Verse 6, Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, we made that clear, tore their clothes, this sign of, of, of anguish throughout the Old Testament, the, the, this whole, the ritual was an outward sign of an inward agony. 
And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Condensed. Don't you understand the opportunity God has given us? Don't look back, but rather look to the future and experience all that God has. You see, every problem, and there will be problems. Jesus said that. In this life, there will be trials, tribulation, and problems. Every problem opens up the potential of God's power working with you. Why is the story, the reality of Pentecost so important for us? It's because we don't live here alone. I, I love that we were at home and, and our, our granddaughter had come in and we were there and, and, and our son said, Madison, tell him, tell Poppy what happened. And, and she said, Jesus came into my heart today. And I said, oh, that's so cool. That's so good, honey. Where does he live? And she down my heart. <laughs> now, I was so excited for that moment as a, as a very spiritual. I didn't take the moment to correct her. But I am going to help you. Jesus doesn't live in your heart. Right? You think I'm crazy. The Bible says, say Bible. When Jesus died, rose again, he went and was seated at the... He's not here. So he sent his Holy Spirit, his friend, his brother, his equal, who now lives within us. I'm okay when kids say Jesus lives in my heart, but you and I have to move beyond that. We have to begin to pray to the person, the Holy Spirit, who is right here, who will never leave us nor forsake us. Whether you know him or not, he's here. Whether you believe in him or not, he's here. But when you believe and when you open up and when you receive, he begins to share things that we all are amazed with. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we went back to Israelite days and he, God says, I'm going to make it easy for you. Like, a, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You remember that story? And he said, when the, when the pillar moves, move. When the pillar stops, boy, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, oh, we read in the Bible and the finger of God came and wrote on the wall. How many would listen to that? I'm still waiting for the voice. This is Rick Ross in whom I am well pleased. It's never come. But I have something better. Better than waiting for a finger in the sky or a voice out of the clouds. I have God, Holy Spirit saying this is the way. I came here today and they give guest speakers all these instructions. You see these speakers. I see the speakers. Stay inside of them so the cameras don't lose you. I've done this before. I got it. But isn't that what Pastor Mike says? These are the bumpers of the Holy Spirit. You stay between the bumpers, trusting God, not doing your own thing, and God's blessing follows you.
It's the Holy Spirit who sets the boundaries and says, stay here. You get a little bit too close and he doesn't yell at you. He says, whoa, 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 Rick, Rick, Rick. Be careful. There's an enticing spirit over there. Walk this way. And at that moment, I make the decision. Do I cross over or do I move back? That's the power of a God who loves you, who sent the Holy Spirit to be with us every single moment. May God help us today. Every problem we face has a God solution. The bigger the problem, the greater the potential for God's providence. Don't tell God how big your problem is. Why not speak to your problem and tell him how big your God is? He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Number four, a Caleb spirit understands that a negative spirit doubts God, but a different spirit believes God. Verses eight and nine of our chapter. If the Lord is pleased with us, don't you love that? The whole picture says God is pleased. The Bible says that before we were, uh, 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 before we were formed, before we were a twinkle in our daddy's eye, before I ever met Sunday that, Susan that Sunday night at church in Springfield, Missouri, God had a plan for my son Derek's life. And he brought us into oneness to accomplish God's will for Derek to preach the gospel. He has a plan for your life, a plan to prosper you, a plan to give you hope, a plan that we would say of success and prosperity. That's biblical. And so we understand here that this, this whole idea, if God is pleased with us, and he is, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Have you ever just stopped and read through the Old Testament, especially RIV, Ross International Condensed Version? When Israelites said yes to God, blessings flows. When they disobeyed God, disobeyed God said no, all hell broke loose. Now, now, I don't know about you, but even animals eventually learn what to do and what not to do. Pavlov's law. When you, when you hit that buzzer one time too many, you're going to stop touching it. But see, we're not animals. And we don't operate by instinct. We operate by choice. For the very thing that sets us apart, our free will, is the one thing that will destroy us when our will takes precedent over his will. A Caleb spirit. A different spirit. What is that? It's a spirit that is different than everyone else. I lived across this country. I love it. I love wherever I am because that's the blessing of God. But, but I remember our years in Seattle and, 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 and we saw the salmon and I, my wife loves salmon. I'm a halibut person, but she loves salmon. And so we went to the locks and, and we got to see firsthand these salmon fight all the way up through all kinds of obstacles. And only the strong made it all the way back to reproduce. And it hit me. In Christianity... Any dead fish can float downstream. It takes no giftings. It takes no faith. 
just lay there and bounce against every rock there is. But all of a sudden, God begins to speak to us, and our spirit comes alive, and we begin to fight our way through every demonic force, through every evil, through every giant, through every wicked enemy that there is. And we begin to see that the more I move toward God's plan, the greater the anointing on my life. You want new anointing? Move into new territory. You want greater works? Begin to do what you've never done before. Why? Because it's for the future. I began this message with the two questions. Where are we going? Now let's deal with the second one. Who are you taking? In the Bible, the Old Testament especially, Exodus 3 at the burning bush and many, many, many other places that you can find if you do a little bit of study. God reveals himself as, and I quote, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, throughout the Bible. And when he says that, he's speaking to a fourth generation. Your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, you all have a great-grandfather and a grandfather and a father, but now I want to talk to you. And I began to look at that. Four generations. In this modern day, we have a new generation every five years because it's X, Y, Z, unnamed, unlettered, boomer buster problem. But very clearly, a generation, by definition, is when you produce the next generation. Susan's mom is the last one of that builder generation alive. She's the patriarch. We love her. She's a godly woman. And then comes Susan's generation. And they're ready to move into that area. My mom and dad have died, so my brother and I are the two oldest in the Ross. We're the, now the first generation. As you heard, we have a son and a daughter. and Now we have grandkids. <laughs> How many of you six, how many of you are grandparents in the room? Come on, that's the best thing to be proud of in the whole wide world. Let me just help you. Grandparents, having grandkids is God's reward for not killing your kids when they were teenagers, <laughs> when they deserve to die. Second question, how many of you are parents with teenagers? Hold on, don't kill them yet. They'll give you grandkids. If I'd have known it was so much fun, I'd have done that first and skipped the kids altogether. <laughs> Four generations. You ready? Spiritual. Abraham, the first generation, experienced God all for himself. And he received the blessing. Second generation, Isaac watched God through his father and inherited the blessing from his father. Jacob, the third generation, missed God and stole the blessing. Wow. Wow. You see the progression away from God. Come on. Here comes the worst news in the world and the worst verse in the Bible. The fourth generation rose up and didn't even know God wow. and had no blessing. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. 
after that whole generation, Joshua's generation, Mr. Leadership, Mr. Speaking the right words, Mr. Leading them into the promised land, he now is old. He dies. And another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor anything about what he had done. In Joshua's last years, those of us 65 and older, when we forget that we don't live for what's in it for us, that we live for how we can pass it on to the next generation, that everything we do is to set the stage so that those come and stand on our shoulders will see what we never saw, that will be able to do what we've never done. For the glory of God, it only happens when you look to the future. Now let me help you. I'm not first generation to spiritual things. I'm fourth generation AG preacher. But I experience God for myself. Every generation has the opportunity to experience God and to receive their own blessing. But it only happens when the generations before prepare the way. See, focus church, you're living in blessing but blessings that are contained are killed. Two seas in Israel. Sea of Galilee, filled with life. The Dead Sea, where nothing grows. I studied it. Both of them have the same water coming in. But the Dead Sea has no outlet. It holds everything. And pretty soon all that good minerals, all that good life-giving stuff is contained and kills. Open hand is a channel. Fist is a stopper. When you raise your fist to somebody, you are threatening them with your power. When you open your hand, you're reaching out to pull them with you generations it's more than terminology generations it's more than a nice sermon it is the very life that God has created that focus church would focus on what is important and that's to make sure the next generation and the next generation and the next generation should Jesus Terry know about this awesome God and experience the power of the Holy Spirit bow your heads with me just for a moment generations in this place. Father, I pray right now for the oldest generation, the builders, the the 65 plus who have lived and experienced the power, the faithfulness, the trust of God. May we take this awesome responsibility and gift and mentor those behind us. Lord, I speak all the way down to the youngest generation. May they look to us and see what you want to do in a powerful way. Lord, I pray over Focus Church. I pray blessing. I give a prophetic word of greater days, better days, if 
we follow you with all of our heart and have a different spirit. Lord, as you start with Aaron's, the leader, I pray over Pastor Mike right now. I pray a prayer of protection over his mind, over his heart. I pray he stays true to you. He stays hungry for you. I pray for Ashley, his partner, that they would be that example. Everything they have is because of you. And may their hands be outstretched. I pray for the staff, this group, this people. And I pray that Focus Church would help lead North Carolina Assemblies of God into a better future. For your glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Thanks again for joining us. And thank you to those who give generously to make the ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit givetofocus.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends. And while you're at it, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at MyFocusChurch. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.